Welcome to the Moss LaRae Show. I am your host, Alicia LaRae Ellis, and we're here for a solo episode. The first one I've done in quite a bit of time, but episode 82. Um, this past week, I put out um, some posts to get questions from the Moss LaRae family from social media, our newsletter, and our website. So I'm just going to go through some of the questions that we've been receiving. We've got some good ones in here, some ones that I was looking on. Okay, I'm not even going to really try to prepare because then I'll want to read off what my thoughts are. But the first question we have is, what does Maslare mean? So we'll start off with a light one. Maslare means more light. So mas meaning Spanish and, and more. And Lare is my middle name. And actually it's a middle name that's passed down from um, my grandmother to my aunt and now to me. So, and supposedly we'll see uh, whenever my sister does have a daughter, if she does, she's going to carry that name through as well. Um, so that's what more, uh, that's what Maslare means. It means more light. Um, and the platform is creating a pure message for our generation. So spreading more light everywhere through heart to heart conversations. And that's what we're doing on the podcast. All right. Next question is, as a child, did you ever think about your relationship with God? Um, this is actually from my cousin, Nancy Torres. Shout out to my family. Um, I would say, yeah, I think I, I know for sure I thought about my relationship with God quite often. I actually had my first encounter, to, to my knowledge, I believe I was like five or six years old. Um, and I had an amazing just experience with God. We had a, my grandmother had a, a a duplex, side-by-side -side duplex, and they had a back room. And I remember just like the presence of God just being there and showing up. And I believe that day at five or six years old, my mom would know the, the exact year um, what what took place. But that was, that would, that's what I would say was my first encounter. And I think from there, over time, like just growing up in and out of church and this different experiences in life. Um, I, I, I can pinpoint different moments throughout my childhood that I would be intimate with God, that I would have questions with God, that I would pray, that I would write. Um, and throughout, really throughout my, up until now, being 31, um, that relationship has just grown over time. Um, and there's certain like just chapters in my childhood that I remember just really intimate moments um, with God and loving, learning how to love and, and be loved by, be loved by God. And I feel like my mom really was a huge influence in my life as it relates to the relationship with God. She always was adamant on um, knowing God and praying to God and leaning on God over time. And so that it was those early moments as a child that really shaped my belief and my faith. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a good question. As a child, did you ever think about your relationship with God? Um, and I would definitely say yes. And, and understanding that the relationship with God, no matter if I was in church or out of church, whether I was, um, in a close season with God or not, God was always there. And I, over time, have learned that it's not about religion, but it's about a relationship. Um, so that's a good question. The next question is, did you ever think of doing something different instead of the awesome things that you do now in life? 
Honestly, I had a dream to play baseball. Like when I was younger, um, I loved playing sports. I was always outside running with the boys, getting dirty. Um, I was like the first one out of the house and the first one in the neighborhood, knocking on doors, getting people outside, and then the last one in. Um, and so I always just wanted to play sports when I was younger. I was just really athletic and I just brought a lot of joy to me. Um, but as many people, those dreams don't always uh, come true. So that was one thing I always saw myself doing. Um, and actually, I was just talking about this story recently. I wanted to get in broadcasting. When I went um, to college for the first two years, I, I picked a college that had a very strong broadcasting program. Um, and then when I arrived, they moved it to um, the main campus. So I actually couldn't take it. Um, and then when I came back home in 2013, it took a year off. I actually ended up at Ohio Center for Broadcasting, which is now Ohio Media School, I believe. Um, and so I always had this desire and I thought I would be like more so like sports um, or analyst. And because I was such a big fan of sports and I, um, I enjoyed watching it and I enjoyed like doing the play by play. Uh, and so I always thought it would be into sports. So now I like, kind of full circle. I always think God just works things out mysteriously. So to be having a podcast and having a multimedia platform, helping share stories, um, it's a full circle. So I guess, did you ever think of something different? Um, yeah, definitely sports, um, broadcasting, but but now look, it's it's all worked itself out over time. So good question. Did you ever rely on coaches or mentors to guide you to person to the person you are today? And this is from William um, Holdup. Yes, I definitely relied on coaches, obviously being an athlete. Um, I had a scholarship to play softball for my first two years in college and coaches and mentors along the way um, definitely helped shape the person I am today. And I can just remember specific coaches who along my journey was really um, instrumental in where I was at, whether they would pick me up and take me to practice or get me food after practice and just kind of pour into me and encourage me to just keep going, even though things might have been difficult at home or in our family. I feel like God always put like specific people um, throughout my life to help pour into me and help nurture me and help guide me. So that was the coaches and then definitely mentors. So when I got into, when I got to Cleveland State in 2014, 2015, I met an amazing woman there who became, I actually ended up working with her there on campus and she became an amazing mentor for me, Dr. Pratt, the late Dr. Pratt. Um, and when I, when I met her for the first time and I sat across from her, she looked me in my eyes and she said, I see greatness in you. And I'm like, this lady doesn't know anything about me. And this is the first time she's seen me. Um, but it was those words that she had no idea, or maybe she did. But those words, like, changed the trajectory of my path. Like, even being at Cleveland State, and many times I wanted to give up. It was just hard trying to get my degree and balance family and life and jobs. So she was one that poured into me for a specific time frame of, of my journey that really allowed me to embrace newness. Um, coming from like the culture community I came, I, I'm from, newness and change isn't always something that's celebrated or embraced. It's, it's like, oh, you, you're changing or you changed up on us or you're brand new. And so she really, she really told me that really early on in my transitional and transformational journey that 
she said, Alicia, not everyone is going to like the new version of you. And at first I was like offended because you want to keep those relationships, whether they're family members or childhood friends. But the truth is, is as you evolve, um, it forces people around you to evolve. And if they're not willing to evolve, then um, you have to kind of make those decisions, whether you're going to keep them in your life or um, you're going to outgrow them. So she was definitely a mentor and I've had amazing mentors and also business advisors um, along the way who have just been very influential in my life. Um, But I would be not truly truthful or honest if I didn't include God in that coaching and that mentorship because as many as great mentors, coaches, and business advisors as I have had over time, I've had to take all that back into my secret place, into my intimate um, see with God, and really talk through the advice I was receiving and talk through um, the wisdom that I was getting to say, okay, you have all these directions you can go, but God, I want you to point me to the direction, the path that you have for me. And I've, I still do this to, to that day, to this day. So definitely I encourage coaching and, and mentors, um, but ultimately that relationship with God is critical to making sure that what you're hearing goes through, um, goes through a very small, um, I see cylinder for some reason, but like the cylinder where you put all of that and it filters out what is necessary for you in that season, in that exact moment for, for God to lead you. So, all right, this is a question from my mom. I know if I didn't include it, she'll watch this and, and, and feel some type of way. But my mom asked me, how did I get so beautiful? And probably because she wants some credit for that. Obviously, your parents have a huge influence on the way that you look. Um, so shout out to my moms for passing down the genes of, of beauty. Um, but I would say, and I have this tattooed on me, that beauty is what beauty does. So my great-grandmother always said, um, Alicia, doesn't matter how beautiful you are on the outside if you're ugly in the inside. And that always stuck with me. And so when she passed, I, I, put, that, um, I put that on me because it's a remembrance of, you know, without the lights, camera, the accolades and the awards, when you sit with yourself, how do you feel? Um, and yeah, beauty is what beauty does. So shout out to my mom for that one. Okay, another question is, this is a good one. This is, what was your aha moment when you decided to dedicate your life and purpose to doing God's work? This is from my good friend, O.C. May. Shout out O.C. May and spread the love. Um, So I talk about this some in my book. If you don't know, I have a book, Complete the True Pathways of True Self-Discovery. I talk about um, really the journey of running away from my purpose or running away from what I believe God was calling me to do. And I had this moment and I remember it very vividly that I was in the, I was in my, my father's home looking in the mirror in the bathroom. And at that moment, I felt like I was looking back at God and having a conversation with God. And that was, that's what I will say was my ultimately surrendering moment. Um, a how moment to say, I'm, done running I'm done hiding like if you want me this is my conversation straight up like if you want me you have me um and that was the moment for me like I was I was tired of pretending that I was someone that I wasn't um pretending to be something that I wasn't and 
forcing myself by design to be something that I really wasn't created to be or be someone that I wasn't created to be. So in that moment, this is 2014, summer 2014, um, spring 2014. I talk about this kind of like how I start off my book um, incomplete is talking about this very intentional, timely encounter with God. It's just like, bet I'm done. I've tried everything and it's not working out. So if you want me, if you want my life, then here I am. Um, and then I went on to say, but don't ask me for anything. And so you can fast forward eight years later, eight and a half years later, and my life has changed drastically from that moment of just saying, my life is yours. So that was, I think, my aha moment. I was just so tired. Um, I literally couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't go on in the day-to-day life, uh, running from my purpose, running from who God called me to be. So that moment was in my dad's house in the bathroom sometime in 2014. Good, good question from OC. Okay, this is a question from my friends over at John Carroll University in the Entrepreneurship Center. This question is, how do you stay motivated? You're always so energetic and ready to go. This is a good, this is actually a really good question. One, because of what people perceive you to be, right? Social media and doing events and running programs, you have to be on, right? Um, And it requires a discipline in your day-to-day. And for me, it's, um, I'm an introvert by, like, by nature. I like my quiet time. It takes a lot for me to be social. I know hard, probably hard to believe. So when I'm done, even done with the show sometimes, I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to go home and lay down on the couch for 30 minutes just to bring it, bring, bring it down some. So how do I say motivated? I was thinking about this question um, because the work and the being requires energy. Light itself requires energy. Light itself is energy. Um, so motivation for me really is my family, my friends, the the people around me, the the tribe that God is putting in my life. Like that motivates me um, to continue to practice what I need to practice in order to be the best um, and perform at the highest levels. So that motivation comes in different different ways. Um, reading books listening to people talk and share their creativity. I was just at an open mic night, um, shout out Poetry Unplugged. I went over there uh, to their event last week and I was motivated to go home and write a poem. I haven't written a poem in probably eight months or so. Um, So it's those type of activations that motivate me um, and inspire me along the way. But I would definitely say my, my family and the people around me um, I feed off of that. I feed off of that energy, you know, talking to being around my cousins and and my loved ones to see, you know, they're they're very proud of me and inspired um, of what I do. And so to, to continue moving in that um, freedom and making them proud uh, is definitely a, a huge motivation, motivational factor for me. And then the fact that um, it may be hard to view, but I'm not exactly where I, where I want to be. Um, so that always motivates me of, okay, to keep putting the work in and keep being, keep pressing forward um, to achieving the goals and the vision that, you know, God has put on my heart. So that motivation, I can talk about motivation all day because I get, I, I get inspired just by coming here on the Breakthrough Sound Studios and, and recording the show. Um, I'm a very... Uh, I pick up on energy. So those, so a lot of things definitely motivate me. All right. 
Another question. Uh, this is from the homie Rico. Uh, when's the wedding? Good question, Rico. You tell me. Um, that is to uh, still be determined. Maybe sometime in the near future, but I do not know at this moment. Um, another question. How would you introduce yourself to the 15-year-old version of you? Um, this is from Juan Silva. Uh, I got this question on LinkedIn. So this is a good, this is a challenging one. Uh, how would I introduce myself to the 15-year-old ver version of me? I think I would start by saying that, you know, God will work everything out for your good. Um, I think about where I was at at 15 years old and how much life the weight of life and the weight of the world was on me at that time of having to have it all figured out and surviving. I would say that, you know, God has your back and God would continue to guide you and put the people around you that you need in your life. I would also encourage her that, you know, she's beautiful and she's confident and um, she is love and she is light because at that time there was so much falsehood around me and so much darkness and negativity that if I can talk to her right now, I would just, I would just encourage her that everything that she's looking for is within her. Um, and she has dreams within her that the world needs. So that's what I would say to my 15 year old self. Um, good question, Juan. All right. What is your most favorite accomplishment? This is from the Molina tribe. Um, my most favorite accomplishment. I, I talked about this before. Um, I think my, my most favorite accomplishments is the inspiration and motivation that God shows and inspires through me for other people. Um, I talk about this story. I've talked about this story a couple of times, but when I was finishing my bachelor's at Cleveland State, um, it was probably like the finals week of that final semester. And I was just like, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. This is like 2016, December or November of 2016. This is also too in my, in my book. Um, but my cousin calls me and she, she, she's calling me. It was, it was kind of a random call. I answer and I'm just like, Hey, what's up? Cause like, what's going on? And she's like, you know, what are you doing? I'm, like, I'm studying for these finals that I'm almost, almost done with. She probably felt the stress in, in my voice and just context on my cousin. My cousin is someone at that time who was very into what we would say about that life, um, very out there and in her environment, in her culture and community of survival. Um, it should probably also be the first to say how the environment created her um, a lot of the times. And so when she called me and she's like, you know, I just want to tell you that you inspired me to enroll in school. And this is someone who always said, like, I'm never going to college. Like, I don't, there's nothing there for me. I'm just going to, you know, continue working where she was working at the time. And so when she said that, like, I legit teared up because it was it wasn't so much about the degree that I was uh, receiving, but the power that degree had to encourage and inspire people around me, you know, being the first generation um, college student and the, the first one in my family to receive a master's degree that 
was surprising not only for myself, but a lot of people around me. So to have her call me and say that that journey of going through and getting my bachelor's at that time inspired her to enroll to get her associates um, to date is still one of my favorite accomplishments is, you know, just walking in the truth that I had at that time um, and knowing that even her and I's relationship wasn't as close because I had to separate myself. You know, a lot of people don't talk about when you're walking in purpose and discovering who you are, it requires you to be alone in some seasons. It requires you to um, be separated. And so with her and I's relationship and kind of what we went through, and so for her to call and say how it inspired her to, you know, want to dream bigger and want to invest in her future, um, hands down, one of my one of my favorite ones. And, and the same can go to, you know, when I get a video from my brother and he he sees a, a recent post of mine, um, like when I announced the other day about um, teaching at Baldwin-Wallace University and he immediately sent me this video of him like just saying, I, you know, I can't believe that God has brought you this far. And he was just sharing like, you know, I remember you hating school, which was definitely a fact. Um, but now being able to teach and having that opportunity. So just just thankful um, for how God has led me and people being able to be inspired through that type of work. So those are, those are good ones. Those are always uh, some of my favorites for sure. All right, next question. Um, will there be a part two to your book? Uh, this is a good one. This is still the Molina Tribe. I am working on a new book. Um, I don't know necessarily if it'll be a part two to complete. Um, if I've talked to you about complete and I've talked to a few people about it, who's read it. Um, it's interesting because even though the book is called complete, um, the journey is never complete. Right. So it's this play on words that I didn't even know at the time when writing it and then publishing it, that God would show me the, the bigger vision and purpose in that book. Um, and really is like a diary entry to my prayer and conversations with God over time. But the book I'm working on now, I think it is an extension of complete. And it's really talking about um, survival and how complete talks about the seven year journey of transformation of my own life. Um, and now coming out of that, coming out of survival, coming out of that false identity of, of survival and poverty and generational trauma and all these things, it's that question of like, okay, who am I now? Because if I'm not any of that stuff, then who have I become and who am I evolving into? And this book I'm working on now, it really shines, shines light on, um, the survival mindset and how it has paralyzed so many um, of our decisions, whether it's financial, financial or educational or spiritual. Um, it's this journey of changing the mindset from survival um, to really living uh, the true lifestyle that God has for us. So, to answer the question directly, yes, uh, another book's on the way, but not so much part two, but an extension of, of complete for sure. With that being said, we're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. Again, you're tuning into the Maslow Ray Show. Uh, we'll be right back. 
The Mazel Array Podcast is brought to you by Breakthrough Sounds, a recording studio and media company located in Valley View, Ohio. Your creativity creates here. Schedule a tour today at btsoundscle.com. Welcome back to the Mas Ray Show. Again, I'm your host, Alicia Ray Ellis, and we are doing questions from our tribe, the Mas Ray tribe. Questions have come from fr- family, friends, and honestly, some people I don't know. So I'm going to be reaching back out to them to thank them for uh, their questions. But most of the questions came from social media. I posted on um, all of our platforms to just get people's engagement. And actually, just a shout out to my sister. She's the one who gave me this idea, but then she never sent a question. And I asked her today, I'm like, are you going to send a question? She said, no, I know everything about you. I'm like, that was not the best answer that I was looking for, sister. All right. Moving on to our next question. Um, where do we leave off? Okay. Is there something you wish you could have done differently? Hmm. That's a good question. I think I think for me, my immediate answer is like, you know, God worked everything. Is God is working everything out. So Maybe no, but then the other part of me is like when you go back to certain decisions or maybe chapters in your life and it's like, oh, maybe I would do something differently. And I think the first thing that comes to mind is um, my mindset. Uh, and for so long, and this goes back to earlier talking about like that aha moment and coming to like face-to-face with God and confronting where I was at and being honest with myself. Like for so long, I held on to that like false identity and it was filled with like anger and resentment, um, pain, a lot of pain, a lot of just childhood pain and generational stuff that you don't even know you're carrying. And it creates this false identity. And I was always just so angry and I had this external protection I had to create for myself. So that's one thing that when I think about some of those experiences and just my decision making and what that led those behave that behavior or identity what that led to over time what I would have done differently I believe is accept earlier who I was and who God wanted me to be and God's purpose for my life um because it would have it would have saved me a lot of time uh, and probably a lot of uh, pain, too, of going through those seasons of just being lost, um, going through those seasons where I was trying to find answers in the wrong places, in the wrong people, in the wrong things, in the wrong substances. Um, so that's probably what I would have done differently is maybe that aha moment. If I could have that earlier. Um, but like I said, you know, God has worked all of that out. Even if there's things, if there are regrets, when I look at what that regret led to over time, I'm like, there's no way I would want to change that because it led to um, X, Y, and Z. It led to me going to school or it led to me um, being in a relationship or in a friendship that changed my life. And so I don't know. I I think that that, that's a tough one because everything, I believe everything works out for our good. So good question. All right. Okay. This is, this is, these are good questions. All right. What is something that makes you uncomfortable? This is from a good friend, Brent. Um, 
what is something that makes you uncomfortable, but you know it can make you better or more visible in purpose, place, or self? Loaded question. Um, this makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> um, now I know why my sister like wanted me to do this because um, she know I, I probably want to talk about a lot of this stuff unless you're asked, right? Um, you know, even creating Maslaray has made me uncomfortable, has pushed me out of my comfort zone, um, has forced me to really lead into God and, and not have it all figured out or not be in control. So many things make me feel uncomfortable. Um, but I know to answer that other piece is I know doing this makes me better. Um, it makes the platform more transparent. You know, being vulnerable, that's why I wanted to write the book. Vulnerability makes me feel extremely uncomfortable. Um, and more so, it's like, I think for so long, the culture I was in in the environment, you know, looks at vulnerability as a weakness, looks at vulnerability as um, something you should hide from. But vulnerability has changed my life. Being true, being authentic, being genuine has led me to being right here right now. So I definitely think, I definitely believe like, 90% of the things that make me uncomfortable make me better. Um, and the second part of that is if you are doing the uncomfortable thing, how has it changed you? Um, I guess to kind of keep it on Mas Ray for a minute is, you know, Mas Ray was something that once I finished my MBA, excuse me, once I finished my MBA, I wanted to write. I wanted to blog. It was something I've been wanting to do for years, but I didn't have the time between jobs and projects and business and school all at the same time. I had no time to write more concrete aside from like writing in my journal. So producing the Mosleray platform and writing and sharing my writing, sharing my like intimate thoughts and my relationship with God um, has been uncomfortable. And I think the uncomfortability that it creates for me is like the unknown of what you share and not having it all figured out or not having the answers. Um, so many people believe so many different things. Um, there's so many religious groups and ethnicities and cultures. Um, so believing in something, even if you don't know everything that it means, or you don't have all the answers, is extremely uncomfortable. So for me, with the show and with the platform of Masleray, it has forced me to live in being uncomfortable, uh, if that makes sense. And it also has forced me to be bold with what I believe. If I believe in God and I believe God has given me a purpose and a destiny and God created the the day and the night and the animals and everything living. How do I share that in a way that reaches people and doesn't confide and box us in? And so a lot of times, even when I share on the platform or on our shows or events, it's like sometimes it's not even sharing the words, but it's how you carry yourself. Um, 
the energy that you hold, the light that you bring, and people are drawn to that. And so even though the the platform is all about sharing stories and uplifting voices, a lot of that has been uplifting other people's stories and other people's voices and really penetrating the light and magnifying the light in that and the truth in that. And that has brought just so much joy and love to my life uh, over time. And I also see in that it's like, I don't have to say anything for someone to experience God's love or light through me. Um, and so learning how to be uncomfortable, I had my mentor always said, living in the dissidence. It's really like living in the unknown, living in not having the control or the plan um, or knowing the exact thing to say when to say it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I see it to be being uncomfortable is good. Being comfortable is something you should question. Um, if you're always comfortable in, in life or in your day-to-day, like, are you really walking in the truth um, and the light that God has? Or are you um, hiding from what's next for you? So being uncomfortable is definitely a part of my day-to-day. Preparing today, we're going through these questions. I was, so, I was very uncomfortable, um, but I'm here. All right. Second question from Brent is, this is a funny one. Um, small, <laughs> small spoon or big spoon and why? Uh, always big spoon. I don't know why. Like it reminds me of eating cereal when I was younger. I hated the little spoons because you can't get all the cereal. Like it's like these little bites. Like I want all the cereal and the milk in one bite. Um, that's why it's the more food, the better for, for me. So good question. All right, what else we got here? What are some of the most difficult things that you've been through and how do you get through them? Oh, this is from Jasmine Bailey. Um, What are some of the most difficult things you've been through and how did you get through them? I I feel I've been through so many difficult things. Um, So many of you know that my father passed away last summer. This is like the first thing that jumps to mind is that recent, everyone can have this commonality when you talk about grief or talk about loss of someone you love. Um, that was an extremely difficult season for me. Um, and I took care, I was my father's primary caregiver for two years as he transitioned um, in his final stage of life. And that was, I learned so much during that transitional stage with him. I learned how to, I was humbled. Um, I learned how to serve. Um, I learned how to love unconditionally. Um, And I learned forgiveness, uh, hospitality. Um, I learned so much, but it was so challenging for me to, you know, in all transparency and like, I'm not supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to be like over here. I'm young. I just finished with my graduating with my MBA. I have all these things going on. Like I'm not supposed to be here going through this. Like, and I was angry for a while that that was our reality, but I knew that what God put in my heart was even in entrepreneurship, it created a freedom. You know, I I'm the youngest of seven siblings. And so out of all my siblings, I, I was the one who had the most freedom in my schedule to take care of him. And God just showed me like in that sacrifice, in that obedience, in that challenging season, 
God was going to honor not only me, but him and honor the relationship and the family dynamics. And so as, as challenging as that was, you know, those two years and really the last probably six to three months of, of his life, um, it was God. So how do you, how do you get through it? Right. God, for sure. Um, the people around me, um, I had friendships and and family members who just encouraged me and prayed for me um, and agreed with me to, to just be still and be there and not worry about tomorrow, not worry about the show or the things I was working on, but just to be and be there with him. Um, So yeah, that was, that was one challenging time. And then after that, you know, this whole past year, you know, some summer or summer of of last year to this year was been one of those seasons where it's like, OK, you know, so much of my identity became in taking care of him and doing the day to day with my with my dad. That then it's like, OK, well, <laughs> what do I do now? You know, and where do I go now from this place? And so I went through a season after that of uh, healing and a lot of quietness, a lot of mourning, but it wasn't just mourning his life. I felt like it was the first time in my life that I was in a safe place. And I, I've talked about this in some of my blogs. Um, it, one of my good friends, I got to use one of my good friends to tell me, Alicia, you're safe now. And for so long, I've never felt safe. Survival doesn't allow you to feel safe. And so being in a season where I didn't have to worry about anyone. I didn't have to worry about how I was going to pay my my bills or um, what I was going to eat or where I was going to stay. It was just I had everything I needed in that time to go through a season, a season of grief and healing. And I would say in that grieving season, it was like a lifetime of grievance. It was a, like a gener- I was grieving generationally because if at 30, at the time at 30, if I never was safe, then my mom was never safe. And my grandmother was never safe. And her mother, like I went back three or four generations of survival. And so I felt like I went through this mourning, grieving process, not just for me, but for all of those generations that never had the opportunity to go through that. Um, So challenging times are always going to be there. And uh, we've been saying this, like life be life in like, that's, you're going to have those challenges. You're going to have death of loved ones. You're going to, um, fail in business. You're, you're going to have fallout in relationships. Uh, but what gets you through is love light. And ultimately what I see is like creating, having the show, having the platform, having creators as friends, um, help get me through and the encouragement, the text, the calls that I've received and that continue to receive um, gets me through those challenging times. Huh? I said a lot more than what I thought I would say on that one, but I think everyone can relate to challenging times. So sharing, sharing those moments um, because social media can make you seem like everyone has it all figured out and everything's all well put together and glamour and glittery, but life is real. And we go through real things. And so I've dedicated myself to talk about it along the way, as uncomfortable as it may be, writing the blogs, having the show, um, 
you know, it's critical to, you know, have that voice and, and share those stories, mine and others included. So good question. All right. What's your biggest desire slash goal in life? This is also from um, Jasmine. My biggest desire. And I, I, I've always wanted to help people. Um, I never knew how to say that or how to be that. But I believe my biggest desire is to see people live the best life that they can, the best quality of life, mentally, physically, spiritually. Um, And that's my own personal, you know, my own personal desire. So I feel like everything that I'm attached to, everything that I work on and everyone I'm connected with um, in some way or another is manifesting that desire to become true and the work that we're that the work that we're working on and the things that we're doing um yeah so that's that's a huge desire of my of mine um goal i have so many goals um one immediate goal is finishing this finishing this book um i don't really have a timeline but the goal in the goal is to um continue writing like finding the time creating the time to write um, and to write and not be interrupted. Uh, we went down to Cincinnati Black Tech Week in July and we saw Issa, uh, Issa Rae speak. And one thing she said was, who are you when you're uninterrupted? And I was like, dang, that's a, that's a really good question. Like, who am I? What do I want to be? What, do, what am I most passionate about when I'm uninterrupted? So um, definitely have a lot of goals. Uh, I, I w- definitely want to travel, travel more. Um, and take the show, take the show to different cities, take the show to different places and, and bring that light everywhere um, through heart to heart conversations, right? Plug back on the show, um, Moss Larray. And I think I have one more question. Our last question comes from my good friend, Heather. If you can summarize it, what is God wanting to help this generation understand in the field of business and commerce? What is God wanting you to help this generation understand? Do business and commerce. This is a good loaded, this is a loaded one. Um, I think this goes back to purpose. I feel like one of the gifts that I have is helping people discover their purpose. Um, When I see somebody, I can have a five minute conversation with them and just see like goodness in them. Like I feel like, you know, I see greatness in you that what my uh, mentor said to me years ago, I feel like I, I have that gift as well to see that greatness and to pull that out. Like the light within me attracts the light in other people, the gifts in other people. So it's discovering it, discovering your purpose, and then learning how to monetize your purpose. So going back to business and commerce for this generation, it's learning how to cultivate your purpose, nurture your gifts, grow your your talents, and allow them to thrive through you, provide for you, sustain you. Um, I think so often, and we've seen this with other generations, like, you know, people are not happy. People are miserable. People are working jobs that they hate, um, which produces a life that they hate. And so for me, I like to use part of my journey and my story of discovering 
God working with me to discover my purpose and now working to monetize it, um, learning to live from my gifts and through my gifts and then learning how to sustain it. So that's what I would that's what I would say that I believe God is allowing me to help this generation through business and commerce to say those gifts that you love to write. Okay, well, writing could provide for you. Writing can allow your dreams to come true. You love to write music or you love to sing. Well, how do we monetize that? How do we um, take those drawings that you have? Um, you like to print clothes or you are you're, you're a designer. Like, how do we monetize? How do we bring those gifts to to the forefront? And that's what I would say. Um, is I believe that God is giving me some of those tools and then connecting with other people to say, all right, how do, how do we create a process to put our purpose through to continue to monetize it? And purpose is, many people have multiple gifts and talents. Um, so that's what I would say to, to that question. But a lot of, a lot of good questions. Um, I'm just encouraged. I thank everyone who submitted questions and um, maybe we'll make a regular thing out of out of this and just creating a, a safe place to kind of talk through um, different questions and, and feedback. But, you know, on every episode, if you're a supporter of the show, I love to end with a pure message. A pure message for our generation is what the podcast and the Mastery platform is all about is creating a pure message for for our generation and so that pure message um, usually I ask the guests um, but I am the guest today so the pure message that I have um, and it's going to go play on on some of these questions that I've dialogued is you know God has a purpose for your life and I encourage you to connect with the people around you. And if there's no one around you that can feed your purpose or strengthen your purpose or help discover it, then you get, need to get around new people. Um, hit up the Mosleray platform. We have a tribe of supporters and igniters and lovers who want to pour into other people and want to connect with other people. Um, so that pure message is, you know, God has a purpose for your life and that purpose um, should help sustain your life. And so uh, I, I love being able to connect with other people. So feel free to reach out at the Um You can message us there and subscribe. <laughs> should I just wrap, go back on that? Just was that you're good. Keep going. Okay. Um, so the Mosler uh, message I have today is, you know, everyone has a purpose for their life um, and we want to help you monetize it. So we have a great tribe of supporters through our connections and our network. Um, and we want to help, you know, invest in you and, and help share your story and uplift your voice. So um, that's the pure message is that, you know, you have a purpose for your life and, and God wants to help discover that purpose for you and connect with the people who are going to help nurture it and sustain it um, and grow it with you. So again, I'm Alicia Lori Ellis. I'm the host here of the Mosler Ray Show. And you've been tuned in where we bring more light everywhere through heart to heart conversations and we're signing off. Peace.